Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secure Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Wells Fargo, empowering small businesses across the nation. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hello and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Michelle Singletary, the personal finance columnist here at The Post. Thanks for joining us today about this important conversation. It's a two-part series looking at small businesses and the path forward after the pandemic. I'm honored to be joined by Representative Sharice Davis, Chair of the House Small Business <laughs> Committee uh, for Economic Growth, Tax, and Capital Access. Thank you so much for joining us, Representative. Yeah, I'm so glad to be joining you. Um, yeah, this is definitely an important topic, so I'm, I'm really glad we're getting, to, we're getting to talk about it today. Oh, great, great. So listen, let's just jump off by this recent survey that found that small business uh, confidence is at a near-time low. Can you talk about why that is? Um, you know, I understand that they're concerned about inflation and supply chains. What do you think about this finding? Yeah, I guess yeah. I, I, like the first thing I would say is that it's um, unfortunately uh, it's it's not surprising because we know our small businesses have been um, hit so hard by the economic crisis that has um, that has emerged. Uh, from the from the public health crisis that we've been facing with the coronavirus pandemic, and you know, right now uh, we we know that small business owners and um, folks who are depending on our small businesses are are seeing elevated prices for things. That um, yeah, those supply chain issues are are really impacting uh, folks. We're also um, you know I'm uh, I'm not going to gloss over the fact that I have had a lot of conversations with small business owners who have had a hard time finding folks to um, to fill the uh, job vacancies that they have, you know, and and so much of this is um, it's 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 the I would I would call it it's the um, that that tough part as we as we start to come out of the economic crisis, you know, we're we're seeing some of the strongest job recovery, we're seeing unemployment um, is starting to go down, but we, but we know that that this is. Uh, it's it's not it hasn't been an easy transition to to get back into that. Yeah. So you know, uh, uh, President Biden's approval rating is slipping, especially among um, you know entrepreneurs. What do you think the message he should give to them to you know boost their confidence in what the government is doing for them? Yeah, I think that um, there's a couple of things that we're that we're seeing and hearing from. Uh, the president that uh, I hope will help uh, our small businesses and, and small business owners see that um, we really are on um, on this road to recovery to building back better. And uh, some of that is the, you know, the um, uh, gas prices that we know we've been hearing a lot about, you know, the 
the president has, um, in response, I think, to um, the the calls by myself and other of my colleagues to do something about gas prices uh, and and how much higher they're getting. They have, uh, you know, we saw him uh, release uh, release oil from our from our reserves. Um, we've also seen the, um, you know, the the child tax credit is really starting to uh, to help people, and so I think that those are some of the some of the things that we're seeing of, um, in policy that that we're legislating and in policy that the administration is um, is responsible for. Yeah, so um, I know <laughs> I, you're looking over because I know you've got a vote. So we're trying to, you know, keep you. I'm trying, I want to make sure. I, I'm, I'm really excited about us talking about this stuff, but I am. I'm just kind of like monitoring to make sure that I'm uh, right. not. You know what? This is live and this is real. So we're good. Yeah, we're and I, you should know, I'm, I am absolutely prepared to uh, full on sprint uh, back to the House floor so that I can get as much time in with you as possible. Okay, that's so great. I'm glad you got the energy I wouldn't. <laughs> so, you know, we also know that about 37% of businesses have closed or, you know, are having trouble staying alive. You know, what is it that we can do to keep them, you know, open and get their footing as we continue to fight, you know, this back and forth of the economy with the pandemic? We're doing okay. We're not doing so okay. What, what do you think can be done? Well, I think there's a couple of things um, that that, uh, that that we need to be focused on and thinking about, at least from the you know from the perspective of uh, at least from the perspective of how we um, as Congress address uh, address these issues. Um, one is uh, we, we always have to be listening to our small business owners because if we're not, um, then we're not really going to actually be able to. Um, we're not really going to actually be able to address the issues that they're facing. Um, and so I, I think, uh, you know, knowing that we've we've already had and this is not just in the small business committee, which I'm, uh, you know, you, you, you've already mentioned. I'm, I'm also on the transportation and infrastructure committee um, where we're having hearings right now about uh, the supply chain issues and um, and the way that that is leading to increased costs for for folks, the way that it's, um, you know, just making it harder for people, uh, not just the small business owners, but but their customers and and clients as well to to be able to function in the way that they need to. So we're you know we're go ahead. No, I'm sorry. How, how long do you think it's going to go on? Because you know there's lots of talk about oh it's going to be over soon enough. You you probably got more insight than than many of us. What are you hearing in your committee meetings? Reports that you're getting? Are we talking six months? I mean, some people talk that it might go into 2023. Um, mm -hmm. Hope not. But what are you hearing um, from your report? Yeah, there's a couple of things that I um, I've really like picked up on. One is that um, because we're talking about something that ha because we're talking about an economic crisis that has been spurred on by this public health crisis, that um, you know we're 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 seeing. Uh, progress in terms of more people are getting vaccinated. Um, we're seeing reports about the the impact of boosters um, and how those are helping uh, helping to protect people. And so we know that these are these are ways that we're going to be able to to get to what 
any, something that feels like normal. Um, right. I'm so sorry if it's like kind of loud where I'm at. No, that's um, all right. No, I, I actually love this. This is this sort of talks about how we have to multitask, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm actually loving it because this is like real time. Um, yeah. So really, and, can I go? Oh, oh go ahead. Go ahead and finish. Oh, I, no. Well, so, so there's that piece of like, the faster we get on the other side of this pandemic, you know, when we have healthy people, we can have a healthy economy, right? And so... So, so there's that piece that we're continuing to focus on. And then there's the piece of, um, you know, I think that in a lot of ways, the sooner we can get, um, the sooner we can get on the other side of the pandemic, the sooner we can really start to truly focus on a thriving economy. And right now we're, you know, we're, we're focused on both and uh, addressing things like, um, the, the learnings that we're taking. I, I don't know how else to describe it, except for, you know, we want to make sure that uh, what we saw was some some stuff was exacerbated, right? The, the supply chain issues um, that we're having have in some ways demonstrated that uh, we have small and medium-sized manufacturers right here at home who can make some of the goods um, that we've, that, that are sitting in ports, you know, and then particularly in our medical um, and, you know, personal protective equipment, the testing supplies. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because we happen to have a number of uh, small and medium-sized manufacturers in the Kansas third. Um, but, you know, conversations with, with folks in the, that wanted to step up but uh, really had a hard time accessing capital is how I uh, decided to introduce the Supplies Act, which would help those small and medium-sized manufacturers. Right. It's interesting you talk about that, but connecting it to the health crisis, because all those people who are complaining, I won't call who they are, but you know who they are better than me, you know, say, you know, the president has to do something about this. But if they encourage their citizens to get vaccinated and, and move on that front, that could help free up this whole issue. Would you would you not say? I definitely think that. Um... You know, I, I, like I encourage folks to go uh, to uh, to get the vaccine um, and, and now to get a booster. And, and you know, we know now that uh, that children um, five and up can get uh, can get vaccinated as well. Uh, and, you know, we know that the vaccine is protecting people and um, it's a, it's safe. It's effective. We also know that uh, wearing our masks when we're in uh, public settings and, um, you know, are in closer proximity to other people um, also reduces and, and mitigates the risk of, of getting sick. And um, I do think that if, uh, if we're going to get on the other side of this, we should be, you know, listening to our public health experts and, and doing the things that we know are going to bring down the risks of, of more people getting sick. Um, that being said, I also think that, um, you know, like this has been such a devastating time and people are scared and having a lot of anxiety about a lot of different things. And so um, I know at home uh, and, and even with, you know, some folks in my in my own family that uh, I've I've tried to make sure to uh, get them the information that they might need to to uh, to you know, encourage them to, uh, to, to get comfortable with the, the safety and the efficacy of, of these vaccines. Right. Do you mind, I'm going to go to an audience question. Um, okay. We have a question from Brenda who asked, the Paycheck Protection Program was enormously uh, popular and helped many micro and small business owners. 
Are there lessons learned from that process that are likely to inform your future policy, particularly given the emerging Omicron variant and its impact on the economy and supply chain? Great question from Brenda Smith that in is Washington. A great question. Yeah, I'm. I'm also really glad that um, uh, we're we're talking about the Paycheck Protection Program because, um, you know, we I I am I'm really glad that we were able to get that. Uh, to get the Paycheck Protection Program implemented, passed in a bipartisan way and then implemented. Um, and then we also were able to iterate. And so when it comes to the piece about what, what did we learn from that, you know, um, I actually uh, uh, led a, a bipartisan bicameral uh, group of folks to, to make sure that the SBA, the Small Business Administration and the Treasury Department um, were, were granting those um, relief funds to tribally owned businesses because um, they were unclear about whether or not uh, tribally owned businesses should be included in that. And absolutely, it was the intent of Congress that they were. And so we we were able to um, to clarify that and, and push for that. Uh, and then and then we also saw that the Paycheck Protection Program, um, a lot of people needed the relief uh, really, really quickly. And um, and so we were able to to replenish those funds. Um, and so when uh, when I think about what the learning that we can do from that, it's it's about listening to our small business owners, um, right. recognizing that folks who were supposed to be included didn't get included. And then That's when right. we replenished the fund, we also made sure to uh, to specifically um, put. Uh, money into the community development financial institutions and then smaller uh, community banks because those were the folks who were able to get the funds out really quickly to right. um, often marginalized, underbanked, um, unbanked uh, uh, small businesses because there's a lot of people out there who are sole proprietors um, who would That's have been considered. That's such a great point. That is such a yeah. great point. Well, I know that you have to run off so I want to just thank you again for joining us in the midst of trying to get your job done for the American people. So I appreciate it. I hope yeah. you can come back. We can talk about this some more. Me too. And I and I really appreciate um, you all covering this topic. And I know you've got some great guests coming up um, uh, who uh, a number of my friends are big fans of. So um, just wanted to thank you all for, for covering this. It's It's super important. It is very important. Small businesses are the soul of our community. That's right. So thank you That's again right. for joining us. Talk to you all soon. All right. So um, I'll be back in a moment with our next guest, sisters and co-founders, Vanessa and Kim Pham. Stay with us. The following segment was produced and paid for by a Washington Post Live event sponsor. The Washington Post newsroom was not involved in the production of this content. You just want this taken up a little bit. Yeah. My grandfather actually made his first suit when he was 17. His mother and father was not able to afford to buy him a suit, so he ended up making this suit himself. It's a great suit, and the lapels were so different. He was like gifted, and he started this business in 1938. It also started as a school. Yeah, two inch. He used to teach veterans like when they came out of the war. We're gonna surge it off and make it look good. Yeah, exactly. 
He had a contract with the government. One of the few black people that had a contract with the government, being though back in the day the way it was. All of the grandchildren had to come and work in the shop. So that gave us a business sense on how to run business and taught us how to sew and everything. You know, that's how we grew up in the business. So sides and darts at the neck? My sister has a tailor shop right on 7th and T Street. Also, my brother has one in Atlanta. So I think my grandfather would be very proud. And you'd like to have this style you said today? Normally with tailoring shops, anytime the weather change, that's like money for us. And then when the pandemic came, people started not going to work. Nobody needed clothes. Okay, your last name? I lost like around maybe $250,000. It's been very devastating. All my bills are the same, but uh, I'm not getting the money that I used to get. I had to lay off like five of my employees. Like businesses across the country, Eddie faced the challenges of, of what happens when your business falls off precipitously, your customer behavior changes in a way that you need to pivot toward, and you can't pay your employees. All the things that are putting stress on small business were happening here. I never thought something like this would happen, so I wasn't prepared to you know, have to foot everything on my own, just out of my savings and things like that, the money I already had like built up. What we were inspired by was the grit and resiliency of these businesses. They just needed a little help. I really thought that I was gonna have to close the business at one time because it was just getting too overwhelming. We started with PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program. We helped over 282,000 businesses stay open with PPP loans. It impacted 1.7 million jobs across America, which is huge in terms of the opportunity to help people stay at work. And then we're gonna hem it on this one. But then we turned around and took the gross fees from our 2020 PPP round and created Open for Business, $420 million to CDFIs, grant recipients, nonprofits. The $10,000 I received for the Open for Business Fund, I used it to pay the back rent that we were back on, bring up the bills for the electricity, help the employees get some supplies that we weren't able to get because we were closed down. Our intent is by the end of the year or shortly thereafter to have the entire $420 million in the hands of those who can provide more help in markets across the country. We're not back to where we were before. It's coming back. Uh, luckily, I did take on a couple of contracts with uh, different places. In the Open for Business Fund, we knew that the greatest need for these businesses was capital but it wasn't the only thing they needed. They needed support with how to create the resources for that new business model, how to retrain their employees, how to access technology in a different way. And so we partnered with organizations across the country who were local to their communities that could help with technical assistance. If you wanted to see your reviews, you would go to this. One of the ways that we did pivot was to, on the social media, my daughter was the one that really came up with, Daddy, you need to start doing this on Facebook. Daddy, you need to get out there on Instagram. You need to do this. Without her telling me that, I might not have done it. So if you wanted to post it on your story? One big contract that we did get from uh, Not Standard, we do all the alterations for them now because they found out about me on social media. I start here. It made me feel good to know that people cared about my business, being as a minority, small business. People looked at my story, we've been in business over 80 years. They felt as though, let, let me try to help this guy survive because this really tested me. 
don't ever want to go back through it again. It battle tested me to make me ready for the next time if something happens. I'll be more aware of how to pivot. I know there, there are people out there that can help me like Wells Fargo that I can rely on. And now back to Washington Post Live. Hello and welcome back. For those of you who are just joining us, I'm Michelle Singletary, personal finance columnist for the Washington Post. So glad you're joining us for this Washington Post Live session about small business uh, and how they're handling the effects of the pandemic. I am delighted to bring my next guest, sisters, and I have a sister, so I'm like loving these two women um, who uh, co-founded Awesome a collection of pantry necessities for Asian food. Vanessa and Kim fam, welcome for joining us today. And I'm, I'm just going to start out saying I'm ordering your stuff. <laughs> Yay! I, I did some research on you and I was thinking, this looks fabulous. So thank you for joining us. Thanks Michelle, so much for thank having us, Thank you so Michelle. much for having us. Oh, great. So let's Tell me about your company. What does it do? You know, I did some research about food and it's great little packets of things and I'm trying not to eat out so much. So I'm really excited. Tell the folks what you do and how you started the company. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we're Vanessa and Kim Pham. We are the sisters and co-founders behind Omsom, a proud and loud Asian food brand. Uh, we exist to reclaim Asian flavors that have been diluted in the grocery store for so long. And what we do is we partner with different iconic Asian chefs to craft pantry shortcuts that allow you to get restaurant quality Asian dishes on your table in 20 minutes. Um, and Kim has some, so she can kind of show you what they look like. Um, but that's really what we focused on. And Kim and I built Omsom together as sisters, and we launched about a year and a half ago in May of 2020, which was right at the beginning of the pandemic. Right at the beginning. Yeah. That, did your heart stop? I mean, you've got this great idea for a business, and, and this thing happens that just crashes, right? A lot of businesses. Um, what was it like for you when the pandemic hit just as you started? Yeah, well, you know, as we were preparing to launch, that was when the pandemic hit right around March of 2020. And, you know, I remember Kim and I got on the phone and we really asked ourselves, should we even do this? Should we just pause everything? We had mentors telling us that maybe we should just go into turtle mode and kind of kind of close up shop until this kind of passed and we could weather the storm and arrive, uh, um, kind of come back when things stabilized. But ultimately, Kim and I got together and thought, you know, one, People are going to be cooking during a pandemic, you know, whether or not they're able to get food or go to go to restaurants, they ultimately will need to be cooking at home. And so we felt like we had to launch Omsom. And then beyond that, we know that during a difficult time, people are looking for a sense of home and connection. And we really feel like that's what Omsom is all about. So, um, Kim, the name of the company kind of really defines you starting in the pandemic, right? Doesn't it? <laughs> yes, so Omsam comes from the Vietnamese phrase Omsam, which roughly translates to like rowdy or rambunctious. And as we were thinking about kind of launching the business, we really wanted to bring that kind of proud and loud energy um, to the universe with our products and also, frankly, like showcase what a unapologetic Asian brand can look like. And 
you know, of course, like around the, the you know, the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of kind of anti-Asian sentiment. Um, and frankly, like part of our identities as um, children of refugees and first generation Vietnamese Americans have been clouded in a lot of shame. And so for us, it just felt like a really authentic way to kind of showcase our personality and, and what we're trying to show the world through our products. Yeah. You know, I, I'm asking you a lot of questions about the company and you guys, because I think it helps for people to understand the background of how small businesses start, what your passion for it, because there's some people like, well, why don't you just get a job? But this is something more than just the income, right? This is you're doing something for yourselves and your community. And I wanted you, we could just talk about that. And then also, um, Vanessa and Kim, if you could talk about the supply chain issues, how that has impacted your business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to, to answer your first question, the core of Ensemble and everything we do is all about doing right by the Asian American community, educating on the multitudes with Asian culture. And so the challenges of the pandemic, I would say, have forced us to lean and 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 you know, rightfully so and proudly so we we've leaned more into that. And part of the challenges that we've seen are a lot of rising costs in our supply chain that have forced us to be really diligent about having a really sustainable and efficient business model from day one. Um, that's always been core to Omsum because we want to be able to control our destiny so that we can make the right decisions and do right by that Asian American community. But I would say the challenges that have come from the pandemic um, as it relates to, relates to increased costs have just like accelerated the level of diligence that we've had to take to that. Um, in terms of supply chain, oh my goodness, being a small business during this time has been incredibly challenging. We have seen uh, ingredient delays and shortages, especially because we source so many of our ingredients from purveyors directly from Asia. Um, a lot of our ingredients are getting stuck in ports and we don't even know when they'll be released. Um, we found that labor shortages are, are really affecting our manufacturing capabilities, our abilities to ship products to our customers. And so all in all, we've seen our business not really be able to be nimble and respond to changes in environment or demand. And then on the other side, and perhaps most importantly, the increase in costs have been really hard for small businesses to weather. Um, yeah. For a small business, increasing prices means basically putting at stake your ability to uh, drive trial of your food product and to acquire new customers. And so we've had to absorb a lot of those increasing costs in service of continuing to make our product accessible to new customers. So yeah, it's been it's been a challenging time, but we're learning a lot and it's it's definitely forcing us to be creative and diligent really early on. So Kim, what personally with finances, um, how has that impacted your ability to grow your own wealth? I mean, if you're taking all these hits, is it coming out of your pocket? Are you, and I, I know, Vanessa, you talked a little bit about, you know, the reluctance to pass that on to customers as you try to grow. How do you handle that, you know, personally? Yeah, so I'm basically trying to get into your personal business. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, we're, we're an open book. I mean, it's, it's really interesting because as entrepreneurs, Vanessa and I are perhaps a little bit unique. Um, we are first generation Vietnamese Americans and daughters of refugees. So there's not necessarily 
you know, um, a ton of generational wealth that we have access to where, you know, we can weather some of these storms a little bit longer. So I think it's just been a lot of kind of returning to our very kind of like scrappy bootstrapped roots, right? Like when we first started this business, like it was all on my life savings. I had worked for a handful of years after university and that was really kind of the the egg um, that started Amsom. But, it, you know, thankfully we, you know, have, I don't know if this is thankfully or not, but, you know, have had a childhood where we're kind of used to, you know, pinching pennies and and making the dollar stretch. And I think we're taking some of that mentality now to the business. And, and thankfully it doesn't feel too um, far from our, you know, our nature. Um, but I really, you know, obviously wish this wasn't the case for all business owners across the nation. Yeah. So how do you make that work, uh, Vanessa? Do you, are you guys living together? Are you back with your parents? Did you never leave your parents' house? I mean, how do you do that? Oh my gosh. Well, now we we don't live together because sisters and co-founders is already, it's, it's already a lot. <laughs> we got to draw a line Roommates somewhere. would be a whole other layer. Um, but, you know, I think at this point, we just, we've been really thoughtful about how we spend all the capital that we do have, how we deploy it. And one of the biggest things that we've done from day one is find creative ways to continue to um, support our own lives, which early on, Kim and I were doing things on the side. We were tutoring. Um, Kim was doing consulting gigs on the side so that we could pay our rent. Um, and nowadays, we've done things like just different partnerships and things like that so that we can have additional revenue streams for the business. Um, just again, getting creative. That's what we've done ever since we were kids. We were, we've always been kind of scrappy. Um, but at the same time, I think one of the biggest things is how do we be scrappy and thoughtful about how we spend, but at the same time, play to win, come from a place of abundance and be able to take important and meaningful risks within the business. That's always a dance that Kim and I are trying to figure out as co-founders and simultaneously daughters of refugees. Right. So Kim, how do you handle a delay in your orders. I understand um, from you know some of your background that you were having trouble fulfilling orders. And when you're a small business, that's sort of the key, right? To keep the customers happy. Because if you're ordering from a big box or you're going in and you don't have, they don't have what you want at that moment, you get something else from the shelf, you know, the shelf, but they can't do that. But your customers can't do that and you don't want them to, obviously. So how do you handle when you can't deliver um, uh, to orders that no, through no fault of your own? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of twofold, right? So I think the first piece, which is Vanessa's side of the business, and we have an amazing director of operations and operations team that she works with. We're really just trying to get ahead of the demand, as you know, like um, kind of holiday shopping is unprecedented this year, right? And so I think they're working really hard to just as much as possible, plan for these delays, um, make sure, you know, we can kind of um, lower some of that risk. But I think on on the marketing and kind of more consumer facing side, what's really been an interesting lesson for us to learn is that once this pandemic hit and, you know, we launched, it was really important to us that we're incredibly open and vulnerable with our community about these very real challenges that small businesses face. So that's being quite open about being like, hey, we're sold out, like things are going to need to be on pre-order or like, hey, we're having a really tough time. You know, earlier this year, um, we had kind of like a small manufacturing snafu that literally like our dad offered to fly in and help. Um, and we, we showed that kind of text message to our community. And it was really kind of like, hey, look, it's not about being perfect. Like no one wants that anymore from brands. If anything, you know, folks have really, what seems to resonate more with folks is this very 
open, very like, hey, look, we're real people just like you and we're facing real things. And and thus far, our community has been incredibly open, very patient and generous when there have been small snafus. So I'd say it's kind of like twofold on the logistics side, it's trying to plan ahead, but then also being open and honest with your customers, I think is always the way to go. And and in general, have people been really good to respond to me? Okay, now tell, no, no, tell the truth. What have people been saying when they, because some people are not happy, right? <laughs> what are they saying when they're not buying that? Like, yeah, I mean, honestly, of course, there's always going to be, you know, the folks, the 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 small, you know, uh, but very vocal minority who are definitely in our inboxes being like, where's my stuff, you know, but I think the, for the most part, I think we're not the only brand that's seen, you know, that's seen these sorts of supply chain issues and delays. And so I think folks are just kind of becoming calibrated to this, you know, new normal as, as, as we call it, um, and, and really extending a lot of understanding to small businesses who are, you know, also facing very real um, challenges. So yeah, it's it's been good so far, but we obviously have an amazing customer service team that we love um, and who are handling some of these complaints. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'll handle some for you too. So listen, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm good at that. Um, I have a question from an audience member reader, Monica, and she asks, what are creative ways employers are using to attract candidates and retain employees in this employee job market? And you talked a little bit about your struggles to, to, to keep people, hire people. What are you doing? How do you handle that to Monica's question? That's a really great question. And, you know, our team is, is small but mighty. And I think the biggest investment that Kim and I have made from day one has been around building a really deep, a deeply intentional, mission aligned and heart forward company culture. Um, increasingly, we're finding the talent that we're trying to attract are folks that are looking to work for mission driven companies and want the day to day experience of building that company to actually map to the external, like what could be seen as marketing language um, and want that to be an aligned experience. And at OMSOM, when we talk about being um, by and for the Asian American community, we also mean internally within the team, every team member should feel included in, um, in that type of, um, I guess, that ethos. So what that means for us is allowing people to bring their full selves to work, fostering a community where people can build true friendships amongst the company, um, creating environments for psychological safety where people can take risks, um, calculated risk and be thoughtful and, and sometimes fail and, you know, and still feel like, you know, they're comfortable in their job as long as they're, you know, trying their best and, and working hard. And so at OMSOM, it's something that we try to live every day. It's, it's definitely challenging when the business is um, under pressure or when there's, you know, a spike in, in the workload that we all have. But it's something that I think Kim and I every day make choices to try to protect. And that's one of the biggest things that we communicate to candidates that are applying at OMSOM. So um, if you don't mind, I just want to pick back at Kim, maybe you can address this. You talked about a mission-driven company and people are just like loving working for you guys, but people need health care, you know, they need a living wage. So what are you, are, are you able to offer the kind of benefits, competitive benefits that people, first of all, you know, are expecting now, especially since, you know, if you got a good person going for a job, they, they, they have a lot of demand. Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously, you know, within the realities of being a, a small, you know, startup, 
we really try and make sure that our offers are competitive to the market and that on top of, you know, kind of the core salary that we're also offering things that I think a lot of candidates care about nowadays. So obviously that's really great health insurance, dental insurance, but we also have built in smaller, I'd say like cultural things that I think really set us apart perhaps. So we have like a monthly wellness stipend that can go towards whatever our employees view as wellness. That could be gym membership, that could be therapy. Um, and then, you know, various team activities to make sure our culture is, you know, reflective of what we share the world externally of being a proud and loud brand. I think we bring some of that energy internally as well, but it's, it's hard, you know, cause we're also balancing the very real realities of this pandemic that is now on nearly year two and of being a small business. Um, it's, it's, it's this really tricky kind of balance. And at some point you're going to have to have really kind of real conversations around like, what do you prioritize? Um, and yeah. for us, we've really tried to protect employee well-being as part of that. Do you think, um, I think it was uh, the Gallup looked at retaining employees and they talked about the fact that, and I think this is what you're talking about, but by being a mission driven company, that it takes like no pay raise to get someone from a company where they are completely unhappy. So are you finding that you can retain people, even perhaps, I mean, I don't, we didn't talk about what you pay people, but, you know, maybe not being as competitive as say a corporate job. Um, that are you are you seeing yourself that people are buying into you know entrepreneurship is a good thing and I'm willing to take less or maybe not the kind of raise I would get someone else to be with a company that it that's got a mission that I believe in. That's a great question. You know, for us, we always are looking to pay um, have our salaries be equitable and and I guess like market rate amongst startups and other businesses of our stage and in our industry, that's, you know, absolutely our number one goal. But I guess, you know, if you were to compare us to like certain corporations or maybe some opportunities they might have in, let's say like industries like banking or consulting, like, you know, obviously it's really hard for a small business to compete just in terms of, you know, base against business, base salary against um, corporations. But I would say we really encourage our employees to look at comp packages holistically. So including equity in there. And then of course, to your point, um, having culture and mission be core to the experience of building Omsom, that we have found that to be something that really um, is incentivizing for folks. They find it fulfilling. They they find joy in working on something that's aligned with their core values. And so we've had actually really strong retention with our full-time team. We actually haven't had anybody um, in our full-time team um, leave Omsom since we launched about a year and a half ago. So we're really grateful for that and, and really proud of that. Yeah, I can see why you, you guys are so much fun. I love it. So <laughs> last question before we let you go and do your business. Um, what do you think the government can do to help you as entrepreneurs? There's lots of talk about small business confidence being at the lowest. What do you think um, the Biden administration or any administration coming after him um, can do to help you get through this pandemic and then beyond? Yeah. So one of the first things, and I know Brenda asked a question about um, the PPP um, in, in your last talk with Representative David, and Omsom actually did get a PPP loan, which was help, really helpful for us in a time where we absolutely needed it. Um, and I would say I would definitely encourage more programs like that, specifically geared towards small businesses. I think there needs to be um, kind of clear uh, qualifiers that allow you to apply for things like that. And 
um, having special resources at, for different company stages and different like type levels of revenue, um, I think would be continue to continuing to offer things like that would be very helpful. And I know Kim, you have some ideas too, probably. Yeah, and I think you know at the heart of a lot of the kind of supply chain issues that we keep hearing about, right, are labor shortages, and so just like continued protection and resources for essential workers, I think is really key because it's it's the folks who are unloading cargo ships, it's the folks who are you know transporting goods across state lines, like those are the folks that really need support and that frankly keep the rest of us going. So yeah, continuing to support and um, offer resources to them, I think is key. That's great. Well, it's been just a pleasure to talk to both of you. I'm going to hope to be one of your future customers, even if I have to wait on my, my package. Um, um, we're trying to eat more at home anyway. So uh, thank you so much for you. joining us, Kim and Vanessa. And I wish you the best in your business as you go forward. Thanks, thank Michelle. you so much for having us. It was wonderful oh, to meet you, Michelle. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com. Hopefully this is the last time you hear this ad, because with Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts, or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com Goals24. That's Chime.com Goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.